Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, folks. This episode is sponsored by italki. Find yourself the right one-to-one teacher for you. The person who's going to help you improve your English in all sorts of areas, certainly your spoken fluency, your pronunciation, and in fact, any other area that you're focusing on, including exams and job interviews and things like that. Find the teacher for you on italki. There are loads of them out there. You can check out all their videos. There's a, a surprising amount of information uh, about each teacher. And when you've uh, found the teacher that you want, that you want, <laughs> when you found the teacher that suits you, then it's very easy to schedule some lessons. It's extremely simple and professionally done. And when you buy some talking time with italki, they will send you a voucher for a free lesson because you listen to this podcast. To get the offer, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Welcome back to this episode about comedy legend Alan Partridge, a character played by Steve Coogan. This is part five in a series I started back in 2018. You should listen to the other parts before you listen to this. What we're going to do is continue to listen to some clips from an episode of I'm Alan Partridge, and you should check out all of the Alan Partridge content out there, including the DVDs that you can find. I recommend all of it. But what we're going to do is listen to some clips I'll give you some things to watch out for. We'll see how much you understand. And then I'll break it all down and point out funny moments and bits of language. I hope to be able to cover all of this in this part. So we'll have to keep things a bit brisk in order to stop the episode going on too long. But there might have to be another episode after this one, depending on how much we get done. Let's quickly sum up what happened in the last episode. That was part four. So I I reminded you who Alan Partridge is and what the context is for this episode. We listened to Alan presenting his radio show and plugging chocolate oranges. Also, it's Valentine's Day uh, in this episode. We heard Alan talking to the staff at the Travel Tavern and generally being awkward and weird. And he's also got some weird thing with the chocolate oranges where I think... If he plugs the chocolate oranges on his radio show, that Rawlinson's will give him something like 50 shop-soiled chocolate oranges, which he's been sort of distributing to women that he knows aged 50 and under, um, I guess, as part of Valentine's Day. Anyway, then we listen to Alan talking to Lynn about having to fire all the staff at his production company in order to avoid going bankrupt and because he's just not prepared to drive a mini metro, even if they've rebadged it and it's now the Rover Metro. So in this episode, we're going to follow Alan as he meets all the members of his production company in order to fire them even Jill, the woman that he fancies and often flirts with. So we're going to carry on. Where were we? It was uh, I'm Alan Partridge, Series 1, Episode 2, and we are at about the 9 minute and 15 second mark. 
So Alan and Lynn arrive at the uh, offices of Pear Tree Productions. So we're going to hear Alan entering the office and talking to all of his uh, staff. So here are some things to watch out for. Uh, watch out for how Alan flirts with Jill. So you know what flirting is, don't you? That's kind of like when you talk to someone in a way that sort of shows that you fancy them and that you hope that they fancy you too. It's that sort of, you know, uh, flirtation. So watch out for how Alan flirts with Jill. Watch out for how Alan lies by telling the staff the news about the second series, because of course we know from previous episodes that Alan hasn't got a second series but he, he tells the staff that he has. So watch out for how he lies to all of his staff. Watch out for how Alan tries to stop people spending too much money. So they're celebrating and they, they want to buy champagne and stuff and he's trying to stop them spending too much. Watch out for how Alan uh, starts to uh, sack his members of staff and he finds like obscure reasons for sacking them. Um, and so watch out for how he does that. Watch out for how Alan manages to escape from everyone. So he manages to escape. How does he do it? And watch out for for when Jill asks Alan where everyone has gone, what does he say? Okay, so how does he flirt with Jill? How does he lie to the staff? How does he stop people spending too much money? How does he sack everyone? How does he escape and what does he tell Jill when she asks uh, where everyone has gone? Okay, so let's carry on then, and here we go. Morning, everyone. Morning, Jill. Oh, thanks for the chocolate orange, Alan. You're welcome. Did you notice anything about the box? No. Exactly. All the others had superficial damage. I paid for yours. <laughs> All your segments are intact. Well, they were when I looked this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, have we got a second series? Yes. Oh, yes! I knew it! <laughs> well, I'll go and uh, I'll get some champagne, shall I? <laughs> actually, Bill, sparkling wine will be fine, I think. Whatever. I'll get some crisps and things. Yeah. Actually, yeah, Jill, Piper Pringles will suffice. Unless there's anything else you fancy. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, just a pipe of Pringles. Fine. Oh, hey! Bash your ass. Any more news, huh? Uh, no, just a second series in the bag. You're all on board. <laughs> Details to follow. And, um... And, and who left this coffee cup here? Sorry, Alan, I meant to clean it last night. Yeah, well, that's not good enough. You're sacked. <laughs> what? I will not have uncleansed coffee cups in Pantry Productions. The plague started from a malattended surface. What are you doing, Alan? You're sacked too. Why? Because, because you do this all the time. What? See, so you did it again. Yeah, you're definitely sacked. Now, Alison, you are a lady. I don't want this to be unpleasant. Are you sacking me as yes, well? Yes, I am. You rotten shit. Yeah, well, you're a rotten shit too. Get your coat. Go, 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 go. Stop the car. <laughs> Hello, it's Alan again. I've locked you all in the boardroom so you don't get me. Uh, you can't leave by the fire escape. I haven't got a second series. I uh, just didn't have the guts to say that earlier. Um, I'm doing my radio show, this, isn't it? You're listening to Up With The Partridge. Aha. Uh-huh. Bye! Oh, hello, Jill. What's the door To keep you out, you thief. Oh. I'm being light-hearted. Shoot your chuff through that door. 
Right, I've got the Pringles, and that's for you. Oh, nice. Where's everybody else? They've gone to Long Stanton Spice Museum. <laughs> Why? I said, congratulations, you've got a second series. Uh, we can't celebrate with the Spice Girls, so want to get your asses down to uh, the Spice Museum <laughs> in Long Stanton. Huh? I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not just spices. No, it's, it's, it's all about the spice trade. Yeah. They've got, uh, got a model of a slave boat. It's uh, very big, and you press a button, you hear all the slaves going, Whoa! like that, you know, because they've, they've packed them in too tight. Uh, listen, Jill, I really like you. Okay, that's where we're going to stop. Um, <laughs> uh, right, right then, so... Did you get it? Did you understand what's going on? Uh, let's go through that uh, again and we'll break it down. So I need to get back to about nine minutes and 15 seconds when Alan and Lynn arrive. And by the way, uh, all through a lot of that, uh, when Alan is flirting with Jill and stuff, Lynn is like still is there, you know, standing next to them. And you you don't hear it, but you can see her face and she's like, she really does not approve of Jill and she doesn't like the way that Alan is flirting with her and there's this kind of thing going through this episode where sort of maybe Lynn is a bit jealous or maybe Lynn is a bit kind of controlling that she wants to be the sort of uh, the person in his life even though they're not actually an item so anyway there's this kind of undercurrent of jealousy going on with with Lynn as well so okay let's see how Alan flirts with uh, Jill then here we go morning everyone morning Jill Oh, thanks for the chocolate orange, Alan. You're welcome. Did you notice anything about the box? No. Exactly. All the others had superficial damage. I paid for yours. <laughs> so, uh, you know, good morning, Jill. Uh, thanks for the chocolate orange, Alan. You're welcome. Did you notice anything about the box? Uh, no, exactly. All the others had superficial damage. I paid for yours. So he, what a romantic he is. But we know, don't we, from this scam that he's got going on with the chocolate oranges, that they're all shop-soiled, they're all damaged. And he's been giving these free damaged ones out, but he actually paid for one for, for Jill. So this shows just how much he cares. All your segments are intact. All your segments are intact. So I described the chocolate orange uh, in the last episode. I didn't realise how um, important the understanding of the chocolate orange would be to uh this episode but there it is here it is again so uh chocolate oranges as i described before are made up of segments of chocolate uh, designed to look a bit like the shape of segments of an orange and you break it open and you eat each piece so he's saying now he's flirting with her in this horrible way he's saying all your segments are intact so if something is intact it means it's not damaged it's in good condition all your segments are intact so this is like a cheesy way of him flirting and sort of talking about her body now uh, all your segments are intact that's had superficial damage i paid for yours <laughs> all your segments are intact well they were when i looked this morning <laughs> <laughs> oh and she goes oh they were when i looked this morning all your segments are in so you know all the others had superficial damage i paid for yours all your segments are intact and she goes oh the they were when I looked this morning. <laughs> so this is like horrible, flirtatious, cringeworthy, flirtatious banter between the two of them. Alan, have we got a second series? Yes. <laughs> I knew it! I 
<laughs> so at this point, uh, Jill gives Alan a hug, and uh, and Lynn looks on disapproving. Well uh, Lynn looks on disapprovingly while one of them goes, "I'll go and get some champagne." Champagne, shall I? <laughs> Actually, but sparkling wine will be fine. I think <laughs> <laughs> sparkling wine will be fine. So he's trying to get him to get a cheaper option. Sparkling wine's fine. And then Jill says, "I'll go and get some like crisps and things or something." And he goes, "Just a pipe of a pipe of Pringles." should suffice you know pringles they come in like those pipes like a tube uh you pop open the tube and then they're like these crisps and they're all in exactly the same shape which is a bit weird like did they really slice a potato uh what if they had one long tubular potato i don't know how they work obviously it's like potato matter that's been like turned into uh, potato crisps all in the same shape but anyway that's pringles so she goes i'll go and get some crisps and things and sh- and he says oh, just a pipe of pringles should suffice if something um suffices it means it's enough so a, p- a pipe of pringles should suffice he says in his <laughs> slightly weird formal public address form of speech that he has alan shall i <laughs> actually bill sparkling wine will be fine i think whatever i'll get some crisps and things yeah. actually yeah jill pipe of pringles will suffice if there's anything else you fancy. Huh? Yeah. And so this is where the flirtation continues. Um, and she goes, unless there's anything else you fancy. And he goes, uh, uh, and he kind of uh, puts his hand on his hip like that. And um, and Lynn looks very disapproving. If there's anything else you fancy. Huh? Yeah. Um, no, just a pipe of Pringles. Fine. <laughs> Uh, unless there's anything else you fancy oh um, no just the pipe of Pringles is fine <laughs> oh, hey, that's your ass. so at this point someone sort of like tries to put a comedy like a hat a party hat on him and he i don't know what he says he's like you know bat your ass or something i don't know what he says there but anyway he's like tense at this point because now he has to even though he's told them that they've got a second series he realizes he's going to have to still sack them so this is where he tries to find stupid reasons and the first one is like who left this coffee cup here um and he sacks the person because uh, he can't tolerate uh, uncleanliness at uh, pear tree pr- uncleanliness at pear tree productions because the plague started from a malattended surface, which is um, an extraordinary sentence. Uh, let's just hear him say that. Any more news, Anne? Uh, no, just a second series in the bag. You're all on board. <laughs> Details to follow. And um, and and who left this coffee cup here? Sorry, Alan. I meant to clean it last night. Yeah, well, that's not good enough. You're sacked. What? I will not have uncleansed coffee cups in Pantry Productions. The plague started from a malattended surface. What are you doing, Alan? The plague started from a malattended surface, which um, is, first of all, is not true. I mean, the, we know that the plague, you know, we're talking about the Great Plague that wiped out so many people in Europe. Um, and uh, the plague came from, like, rats, or it was, in fact, fleas that uh, carried the infection. And the fleas came from the rats and so that's that's the it's nothing to do with the the cleanliness of the kitchen or something although obviously that does 
that can, you know, allow bacteria to to grow and stuff and thrive and whatever. But uh, uh, the plague started from a malattended surface. So it's not just that it's historically wrong, but also it's just this weird, again, this weird register that he uses, this kind of language. So the plague started from a malattended surface. I mean, I can't sort of get my head around the sentence. Malattended is the, is really the word. So, um, okay, so if we start with the phrase to attend to something, to attend to it, it means you kind of like give it your attention. You kind of, you, you do what is necessary, you know, do what needs to be done. Uh, so, for example, if food is cooking, you might attend to it, meaning um, sort of deal with the food that's cooking. Or if someone like knocks on the door, you might attend to to that particular situation, attend to a matter that's uh, that's arisen at work, uh, a, a situation has arisen and you need to go down and attend to it. Um, so if you attend to a surface, I suppose it would mean kind of keeping it clean. So a, a mal-attended surface, I'm not even sure it's English, to be honest, um, but I suppose it's it, when we have the prefix mal at the beginning, um of something like a verb um or maybe a noun it would probably be it would mean it was bad you know and probably wrong in some way so we talk about malnutrition it means where someone is is either not getting the correct amount of nutrition in, in their diet uh well that's it you know they're not they're undernourished or they don't get the right sort of nutrients in their diet so you get malnutrition it's not nutrition but it's bad um I'm trying to think of some other examples. Okay, here are some other examples. So we've got things like um, malcontent, meaning sort of uh, someone who, if you described someone as a malcontent, which is an American sort of thing, it means a person who is kind of uh, disruptive and not happy in a situation. Uh, What else? There's there's so many um, that I'm trying to find the most common. I'm looking at a list on Wikipedia, uh, and there there are just so many, but not many that are in common usage. I'm just malpractice is a good example, meaning sort of bad practice, uh, malpractice, uh, malpositioned, meaning positioned wrongly. Um, what else? Um, malodorous. That's a lovely word. Malodorous, meaning smelly, uh, stinky. Um, yeah, that's a fantastic word, isn't it? Malodorous. Uh, meaning having a bad odour, and also meaning kind of slightly improper. Uh, uh, Malnutrition, malnourish, um, and let's see, malformed, malformations, like formations that are wrong. Okay, so there you go. Uh, uh, But uh, a malattended surface. So, I mean, this is just bizarre kind of, it's not just formal language. It's kind of the language of um, of public address, like I said before. And you'll find, for example, if you go to England and you just notice the English that is being used around you, and you'll see that there it's there's a slight difference in form or register, that's it, between these different types of English. So there's the English that you hear on the plane, and it's it's a it's this kind of register. It uses this kind of Alan Partridge language. So it says things like, "What is it? Um, what do they say um, on the aeroplane?" I'm just trying to think. It's more like trains, actually, is what comes to mind more easily because they say things like, uh, "You know, this is a district line service to uh, uh, to embankment." Just this, this, yeah, it does go to embankment. The, this is district line service service to embankment. Uh, a light here for services to you know uh, Piccadilly or something. A light here. 
So uh, alight meaning get off the train. Um, and, um, you know, that sort of language. What else do they say? You know, this train terminates here. Like the train's going to terminate like it's going to sort of kill everyone on the train. It's a weird language. The train, it's the right word. The train terminates at the terminus. Uh, so, you know, this this is Ealing Broadway. This train terminates here. Um, but again, it's a sort of formal public address form of language. Um, it's not just formal English that you would use in a sort of a business letter or something, but it's more like this language of, of being addressed. So you've got like the language you hear on the train, then there's the language that the, the taxi driver is using when they talk to you and it's more conversational. And then you've got uh, a language that you overhear in the station. You've got language you see written on notices, you know, and it's this kind of um, uh, public address language. So uh, the plague started from a malattended surface is not only bollocks, but also it, it is hyperbole, linguistically, linguistic hyperbole, where he's using, making up words trying to sound sort of like formal and I don't know, it's weird, like the language of a TV presenter. So, um, okay. And then he sacks the next guy because he keeps going like that. So, so imagine someone kind of like nodding their head a little bit, looking up and going at the same time. So this guy's got this almost as a tick where he goes like that. And Alan says, um, you're sacked as well because you do this all the time. And he's like, you, what are you talking about? And there you did it again. You're definitely sacked. You're sacked too. Why? Because, because you do this all the time. Well. See, so you did it again. Yeah, you're definitely sacked. Now, Alison, you are a lady. I don't want this to be unpleasant. Are you sacking me as well? Yes, I am. You rotten shit. Yeah, well, you're a rotten shit too. Get your coat. <laughs> that is, that's a fantastic little exchange. So, uh, Alison, you're a lady. I don't want this to be... What is it? I don't want this to be unpleasant. And she goes, are you sacking me as well? And he goes, um, and then she goes, are you rotten shit? <laughs> Which is a, quite a good insult. You rotten shit. Which is true. Alan is a rotten shit. Um, and then, it, but his re- retort is excellent. Uh, you're a rotten shit too. Get your coat. <laughs> so you did it again. Yeah, you definitely sacked. Now, Alison, you are a lady. I don't want this to be unpleasant. Are you sucking me as yes, well? Yes, I am. You rotten shit. Yeah, well, you're a rotten shit too. Get your coat. Go, 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 go. And at this point, um, Alan and Lynn are literally backing out of the room. There's still about three people there. um, So they're backing out of the room in a very cowardly move. Alan is passing Lynn the car keys and going, start the car, start the car. Um, And then it turns out that uh, he locks them into the boardroom at this point. (laughs) Okay, so they're all still in there. But Alan and Lynn have escaped and they've locked them inside. And then Alan um, talks to them through the sort of, um, I don't know, the telephone or the uh, conference, you know, telephone conferencing device thing. So he's talking to them through the intercom. Um, and um, it, it, for him, it starts to feel like his own radio show. But he admits to them that uh, he doesn't have a second series. He just didn't have the guts to tell them. And uh, so they let themselves out of the fire escape. And then he says it feels like it's on his radio show. <laughs> Hello, it's Alan again. I've locked you all in the boardroom so you don't get me. Uh, you can't leave by the fire escape. I haven't got a second series. I uh, just didn't have the guts to say that earlier. Um, I'm doing my radio show, this, isn't it? You're listening to Up With The Partridge. Aha. Uh-huh. Bye! 
Okay, and now Jill turns up and there's sort of more of the flirtatious stuff, but she obviously is, you know, wondering where everyone's gone. And um, so she's like, where is everyone? Actually, first of all, it's like, you know, why is the door locked? And he said, to keep you out, you thief. Which is like, <laughs> I don't know. I can't explain it. I can't explain a lot of the Alan Partridge stuff, but like, it's just him being attempting to be flirtatious. And then she asks where they've gone. And it turns, it, it, on the spot, he has to come up with a, a random excuse off the top of his head. Oh, hello, Bill. What's the to keep you out, you thief. Oh. <laughs> I'm being lighthearted. Shoot each other through that door. <laughs> right, I've got the Pringles, and that's for you. Oh, thanks. Where's everybody else? They've gone to Long Stanton Spice Museum. <laughs> Why? I said, congratulations, you've got a second series. Uh, we can't celebrate with the Spice Girls, so I want to get your asses down to... Uh, the Spice Museum in Long Stanton. Huh? I mean, um, bizarre excuse. So, um, where's everyone else gone? They've gone to Long Stanton Spice Museum. Uh, he's clearly making it up uh, as he goes along. Long Stanton Spice Museum, I think, is a real place. Well, in in terms of the context of the show, it is a real thing. I think in the real in, in actual life, it don't. I don't think it exists. Exists. Although there is a website for Long Stanton Spice Museum, a made up website by some fans. But anyway, they've gone to Long Stanton Spice Museum. Um, uh, you know, why not head down to the Spice Museum in Long Stanton? And uh, then he kind of describes what uh, you can see at the Spice Museum. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not just spices. No, it's, it's, it's all about the spice trade. Yeah. They've got, uh, got a model of a slave boat. It's uh, very big, and you press a button, you hear all the slaves going, Whoa! like that, you know, because <laughs> they've, they've packed them in too tight. Okay, he's just sort of rambling at this point because he's, he's sort of backing away, backing out of the room, um, and about to close the door and rambling on about uh, Long Stanton Spice Museum. And apparently they, it's not just about spices. They've also got like a slave ship. And uh, you press a button and all the slaves go, because they've packed them in too tight. Okay, that's where we're going to pause and uh, move on to my next set of like things to look out for. So this is where Alan and Jill flirt uh, a little bit more. And because Alan is interested in Jill, he's backing out of the room because he's kind of considering giving her the sack or whatever it is. I don't know. Some cowardly move. But Alan actually quite likes Jill. So he needs to establish if Jill likes him too, uh, sex-wise, if she likes him sexually. Uh, So listen for how Alan establishes if Jill likes him sex-wise and his reaction to that. Listen to how they continue to flirt really horribly and listen for how Alan asks Jill out on a date. Okay, so this uh, Valentine's episode continues. Here we go. Uh, listen, Jill, I really like you, but... I, I like you as well. <laughs> oh, thanks. You're packed in a bit tight. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, um, just, just uh, clear something up. You know when you make those sort of risque comments, um, are you just flirting in a, that sort of crude way that uh, middle-aged divorcees do? <laughs> or, or do you genuinely like me... Sex-wise. Well, you know, you're a man, I'm a woman. You're quite successful, you've got a second series. Oh, ca- carry on. You've got needs. Yes, I have. I've got needs. Good. <laughs> Jill, um, is the answer to my original question, do you like me sex-wise, 
Is, is the answer to that yes or no? Quickly. Yeah. Lion bar? No, I prefer fingers. Yeah. Chocolate ones? Don't mind, really. Uh, <laughs> Jill, you are so dirty. It's quite refreshing. You call a spade a spade. Actually, you'd probably call it a big tool, wouldn't you? <laughs> so what we're going to do together, then? Norwich is our oyster. <laughs> Jill. Do you like owls? Oh, quite nice, I suppose, yeah. I know a cracking owl sanctuary. How about it? Unless you can think of anything better. Could go shopping. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, okay. Right. So, how are you doing out there in podcast land? Are you okay? Are you still with us? Are you still in the land of the living? I hope so. Let's carry on. Let's crack on, shall we? So, um, let's listen again, and I'll break it down for you. Break it down. So, oh, when when was that? When? How many minutes in was that? Okay, I think we're talking somewhere like here, maybe. Okay, let's see where we are. Oh, okay. Listen, Jill, I really like you, but... I, I... like you as well. <laughs> oh, thanks. You're packed in a bit tight. Huh? Yeah. Um, all right, more flirtatious banter and innuendos. Because, you know, before he'd said that the slaves were all packed in too tight into the slave boat. And then he's like, listen, Jill, I really like you. And she says, I like you too. You're you're packed in a bit tight. Oh, it's pretty, um, <laughs> pretty rough uh, banter, isn't it? Um, and so now he has to establish um, whether or not she likes him sex-wise. And he does it in this kind of like, um, almost like a lawyer or something. Listen, um, just uh, clear something up. You know when you make those sort of risque comments? Risque comments are sort of sex, sexual, sexy comments. Um, are you just flirting in a, that sort of crude way that uh, middle-aged divorcees do? <laughs> or, or do you genuinely like me sex-wise? Well, you know, you're a man, I'm a woman. You're quite successful, you've got a second series. Oh, ca- carry on. <laughs> You've got needs? Yes, I have. I've got needs. Good. <laughs> Jill, um, is the answer to my original question, do you like me sex-wise, is the answer to that yes or no? Quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as she says yes, uh, he steps confidently into the room. So this whole exchange, by the way, has been done with Alan hiding behind a partially closed door. So, you know, I told you he was backing out of the room, closing the door. So he's just peeping his face through the door throughout this entire thing. But when she says that she likes him sex wise, he opens the door and steps in confidently with a big, big grin on his face. And he goes, I'm Batman. He actually says, I'm Batman. <laughs> Right, so they've got like um, they've got snacks and stuff, Pringles, and uh, Alan's got a chocolate bar. So they start talking about chocolate bars in this kind of flirtatious way, uh, as we've heard already. Lion bar? No, I prefer fingers. Yeah. Lion bar? No, I prefer fingers. You, you see, smutty 
uh, uh, crude, risque humour. Lion bar, and no, I prefer fingers. I think she's eating a Twix or something. So a lion bar, you've got to know what that is. So it's a chocolate bar, which is basically a big piece of... um, What's it called now? What is the, what the hell is that stuff? Wafer, a big uh, piece of wafer, uh, surrounded by um, I think some caramel, surrounded by like rice krispies and chocolate, and it's one bar, and she's got a Twix I think, which is two fingers. You see, so he goes lion bar, and she goes no, I prefer fingers, which is obviously a rude uh, thing to say. Chocolate ones. Don't mind, really. Uh, <laughs> Jill, you are so dirty. <laughs> um, not something that you should say to someone, uh, especially a woman. Uh, you can't say that a woman is dirty. I mean, that is a definitely a pejorative thing to say about somebody. She's really dirty. It means that she's... So dirty does not just mean, like, you know, that she's unclean. But it can be sort of morally dirty as well in a sexual sense. So if someone is described as dirty, it means that they are like sexually very dirty. It's not a pretty thing to say about someone. And Alan has said it here as if it's a kind of flirtatious compliment. I don't know how he's got away with it, to be honest. But you would never normally say that. Jill, you are so dirty. Um, and then he says it's actually quite refreshing you, you call a spade a spade. So this is a, an idiom that we have in English. If you call a spade a spade, it means you say things as they are. You describe things as you see them. You don't mince your words. You just say things very plainly and clearly. You, you call a spade a spade. You, you, you say things how they are. Uh, a spade, by the way, would be a, uh, a thing that you dig. Uh, you, you'd use a spade to dig a hole in the ground. Uh, okay, so you call a spade a spade. I mean, I don't know where the or what the origin of that phrase is, but there it is. So, Jill, you're so dirty, it's actually quite refreshing. You call a spade a spade. Actually, you'd probably call it a large tool. So, this is an, a sexual innuendo as well. A large tool. A tool would be, I suppose, a penis, right? So, uh, it's just, there's lots of innuendo in English, lots of room for things meaning something else and it being sexual. So, uh, you're so dirty, you call a spade a spade, actually, you'd probably call it a large tool. It's quite refreshing. You call a spade a spade. Actually, you'd probably call it a big tool, wouldn't you? <laughs> so, what we're going to do together, then? Norwich is our oyster. <laughs> So, you know this phrase, don't you? Uh, the, the world is your oyster, or London is your oyster, which is the origin of the the name of the oyster card, which is that travel card that we use to get around in London, although these days you can just do it with your contactless credit cards. But um, oyster, so the phrase, if something is your oyster, a place, it means that it's free for you to explore it. It's open, it's yours to explore. So Norwich is our oyster which is not the most sort of glamorous thing to say. But there it is. Norwich is our oyster. What are they going to do? And at this point, Alan proposes his idea for something that they could do in quite a serious way. So do you, do you actually catch what it is that he's suggested? Jill, do you like owls? <laughs> do you like owls? So these, you know, owls, these are birds that come out at night and they feed on things like mice 
and little creatures on the ground. Owls, they're going to kind of like uh, silence. When they fly, they don't make any noise. Their heads, they say that their heads can turn around 360 degrees. I say they say, I don't think it's the, 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 the owls that are saying it. Like, uh, you know, as if they're all going, yeah, we can, we can uh, turn our heads 360 degrees, you know. Like the owls, you know, they say they can... I just mean people say that owls can um, turn their head 360 degrees all the way around. I don't know if it's true. But anyway, owls. So he's like, Jill, do you like owls? So he actually stands up, put his, puts his hands on the desk and goes, Jill, do you like owls? Which is a bizarre thing to say. And she, I think she says, yeah, they're all right. Because <laughs> Jill in this is basically... She's, she's up for a good time. She's kind of happy and basically just up for going along with whatever's happening. So she's like, yeah, they're all right. Um, and um, and he says, unless you can think of something better to do. And she goes, uh, we could go shopping. And then the next thing you see is an owl and the sound of the owl. Um, what do owls do? Uh, cry? Squawk? Squawking, I suppose. <laughs> quite nice, I suppose, yeah. I know a cracking owl sanctuary. <laughs> I know a cracking owl sanctuary. If you describe something as cracking, it means it's fantastic. It's really good. It's great. I know a cracking owl sanctuary. Now, not a, not a very good place to bring someone uh, like Jill, I would imagine. I don't think she's really interested in going to a, an owl sanctuary, Alan. But Jill, surprisingly, is up for it. She goes along with it, although she'd rather go shopping. How about it? Unless you can think of anything better. Could go shopping. <laughs> and then you see the owl. So obviously they, they've gone to the owl sanctuary. So let's move on then to Alan and Jill at the owl sanctuary. And so this is just classic Alan basically. And you can imagine that when they were making the show, there were probably moments where Steve Coogan was improvising as Alan Partridge and making a lot, making a, up a lot of this stuff just on the spur of the moment, improvising a lot of it. I feel like some of these bits are improvised. So Alan and Jill at the Owl Sanctuary. So you, you've got to watch out for Alan's comment about AstroTurf. So AstroTurf is like that kind of plastic grass that you might get at the greengrocers. You know where you go to get your fruit and veg? Um, they have often plastic grass or AstroTurf uh, on their shelves where they present their, their produce. Um, so what's, what does Alan say about the AstroTurf? And uh, what did Alan used to think when he saw Jill in the office? And talk, uh, listen for how Alan talks about a line of birds of prey that they're looking at. So they're standing at looking at a line of birds. These birds are sitting on little poles um, above the AstroTurf there. And there's about four or five birds of prey in a line. And so listen to how Alan talks about this line of birds and he kind of compares it to death row. Uh, death row is would be like in, I guess, some states in America where they have executions and death row is like all of the prisoners who are going to be executed. So in this case, you've got this line of birds and it's, he thinks it looks like death row. Uh, look out for how his rambling comparison between these birds of prey in a line and some prisoners who are going to be executed. Look out for how this comparison goes all weird and wrong. Okay, so comment about the AstroTurf. What did he used to think of Jill in the office? And what about this weird comment about the line of birds of prey um, on death row? Okay, here we go then with Alan at the bird, uh, the, uh, the owl sanctuary. I like the, um, 
AstroTurf, the uh, place on, on, on the wood there. So, it's basically zero maintenance grass. Useful stuff. Mm. You know, when I used to see you in reception, yeah. you know, I used to, uh, I used to think. No. I used to think, ooh, she's nicer than my wife. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, That's a terrible thing to say, Alan. It looks a little bit like death row, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr Hawk. Your pardon has been turned down. You have been found guilty of premeditated homicide of a mouse. <laughs> and uh, you'll be hanged by the neck until dead. And don't try to hover up so that the uh, rope goes slack. Because they could do that, couldn't they? You could try to hang a, a hawk, you could always hover, so the rope went slack. So, uh, so you're going to execute uh, a bird of prey. The, the most humane way would be death by firing squad. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so let's go through that again then. So uh, first thing is Alan's comment about the AstroTurf. Let me just find the right uh, spot here in the video. Okay, and here we go. What does, what does Alan say about the AstroTurf, first King of all? King Owl Sanctuary. <laughs> I like the um, AstroTurf, the uh, place on, on, on the wood there. It's basically zero maintenance grass. Useful stuff. It's basically zero maintenance grass. So there you go, more more Allen language. Um, it's zero maintenance grass. Now, zero maintenance grass is again the sort of phrase that you would see maybe on the package of some um, astroturf. It might describe it as zero maintenance grass. Or zero maintenance is a sort of phrase that you wouldn't necessarily say very frequently. But this is the kind of register that Alan uses. So, yeah, uh, and he's this. This is his flirtatious banter on his date at the owl sanctuary which looks like a pretty weird place for a date. There's like all these weird birds and eagles and vultures and stuff, and they're all screeching. Um, and um, so it's a, a very odd choice indeed. Um, so anyway, so yeah, interesting astroturf there. That's, um, it's, it's basically zero maintenance grass. It's useful stuff. And then he goes on to say what he used to think of Jill uh, when... Um, he saw her in the office and he used to think, oh, she's nicer than my wife. And Jill is quite shocked at this. Um, okay. You know, when I used to see you in reception, yeah. you know, I used to, uh, I used to think. No. I used to think, oh, she's nicer than my wife. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, thing to say, Alan. <laughs> I mean, these are all the vultures and eagles all screeching and screaming. It's not a great place for a date. It looks a little bit like death row, doesn't it? And so this is him on his weird death row thing. It's like, it looks a little bit like death row, doesn't it? And there's all these, e these eagles and hawks. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Hawk. So now he's like, I guess, portraying the, the, the part of a judge talking to Mr. Hawk, whose pardon has been turned down. You're going to be executed by uh, death by hanging or something? Your pardon has been turned down. You have been found guilty of 
premeditated homicide of a mouse. <laughs> and uh, you'll be hanged by the neck until dead. Ooh. And don't try to hover up so that the uh, rope goes slack. Don't try to hover up so the rope goes slack. So this judge is now trying to explain to this hawk, like, don't try to hover up so the rope goes slack. Cause, and then he's, like, off on some random tangent of, like, I suppose because, um, you know, they could do that, couldn't they, hawks, if you're trying to hang them? You could, they could just hover and uh, so the rope goes slacks. And then, then he's, like, he concludes by saying... So the most humane way of, of killing a, a, a bird of prey is probably death by firing squad. It's just like it, it, he ends up concluding that point with a very serious thing to say, like uh, the most humane way of killing a bird of prey would be death by firing squad. And then he walks off and Jill is like left mystified. She's like, what on earth is he talking about? Well, they could do that, couldn't they? They could to hang a, a hawk. They could always hover. So the rope went slack. So... Uh... So if you're going to execute uh, a bird of prey, the, the most humane way would be death by firing squad. <laughs> so Jill's like, what? Okay, so let's crack on. Here's Alan and Jill in the car. So where are we? How many minutes are we in? So we're about 45 minutes into the episode here. Okay, and so we've got... Um, how much more of the episode left? Oh, there's about... About 12 minutes of the episode left. I, uh, I think that there's going to have to be a part two to this. So, um, okay, let's listen to Alan and Jill in the car and then we'll call it a day for this episode and then we'll continue um, in the next part. Okay, that's what we're going to do to avoid this becoming like an hour and 45 minutes or something like that. So now we've got Alan and Jill in the car. They're driving back from the um, from the Owl Sanctuary and Alan says something like, that was the best Valentine's I've had um, in eight years or something. So what did Alan do on Valentine's Day eight years ago? And how does Alan ask Jill out on a date? So what did he do on Valentine's Day eight years ago? And how does he ask Jill out on a date? Okay, here we go. Ah, uh, that is the best Valentine's Day I've had in eight years. <laughs> what did you do eight years ago? No, just had a better one. Went to Silverstone, shook Jackie Stewart's hand. Superb. My marriage fell apart soon after that. <laughs> Listen, Jill, um, there is a romantic uh, buffet supper at the hotel tonight. As much oh. as you can eat for six pounds. Oh. Uh, I've got a scam going with a big plate. Do you, uh, do you fancy being my uh, co-eater, lady? Oh! oh. I'd like that, you know. Yeah, listen to this. It'll blow your socks off. <laughs> okay. So, uh, what did Alan do on Valentine's Day eight years ago? So, that was the best Valentine's Day I've had uh, in eight years. And she goes, what did you do eight years ago? What happened eight years ago? And he, he says, I just had a better one. And she says, what did, you, what did you do or what did you do? And he said, uh, I went to Silverstone and shook Jackie Stewart's hand. So Silverstone is a racetrack where they do like Formula One and stuff. And he shook Jackie Stewart's hand. Jackie Stewart was a British racing car driver. 
So what did Alan do? What was his best Valentine's Day like eight years ago? Well, he went to a racetrack and shook a driver's hand. So not a romantic thing. Uh, Nothing to do with his wife, Carol, who he was married to at the time. Uh, So he says, I went to Silverstone, shook Jackie Stewart's hand. My marriage fell apart soon after that. So that was kind of like indicative of the state of his marriage at the time. Um, And then, so let's listen to that little bit. Hold on, I I need to go back. Ah, that is the best Valentine's Day I've had in eight years. What did you do eight years ago? No, just had a better one. What did you do? Went to Silverstone, shook Jackie Stewart's hand. Superb. My marriage fell apart soon after that. (laughs) Listen, Jill. So this is where he asks uh, Jill out on a date. So how does he ask her out? So he says there's basically like there's a romantic uh, all-you-can-eat buffet like it's all you can eat for six pounds or something it's like incredibly cheap and mediocre kind of price i mean by uh the standards of the time six pounds was like just a really mediocre price um and not very generous probably about 15 pounds these days 10 or 15 pounds maybe 10 pounds maybe um and um so it's not a very romantic uh, sounding dinner but he says there's i've got a, a scam going with a big plate he says uh and he says do you fancy being my co-eater so someone who eats with you would be your co-eater, just like you've got your co-worker. But he asks if she wants to be his co-eater, which is kind of a roundabout way of asking her out. Um, there is a romantic uh, buffet supper at the hotel tonight. As much as you can eat for six pounds. Uh, I've got a scam going with a big plate. Do you, uh, do you fancy being my uh, co-eater, lady? Oh! Yeah, Alan, I'd like that, you know. Yeah, listen to this, it'll blow your socks off. Now, this is just like typical Alan stuff. This is the kind of music that he's into. It's stuff like this and then like Roachford and Crowded House and ABBA and stuff. But uh, he's into weird kind of vocal classical music and stuff, which is, I think this is like, the stuff in this is like Latin or something like that. Anyway, it's just a uh, typical Alan stuff. <laughs> So, okay then, um, ladies and gentlemen, I guess how I feel right now. I explained it, didn't I, at the end of the last episode, exactly how I feel in this situation, which is where um, I'm dissecting the frog again. And you know how it goes, you know, uh, dissecting a frog, like explaining a joke is like dissecting a frog because you can learn something from it, but the frog dies in the process. So potentially what I'm doing is like killing the humour in the process of trying to help you. Uh, it's like, a, you know, if if it was a Greek uh, myth, if my life was a Greek myth, my my storyline would basically be, uh, what what is it? Like um, in attempting to help people understand something, I confuse them, basically, which is kind of like a bit like what it's what it is to be an English teacher in attempting to teach you the language. Sometimes we confuse you with the language. Um, So sometimes that that is one of the pitfalls of being an English teacher. So I'm concerned that I've fallen into one of the pitfalls, which is that I'm, uh, I'm I'm confusing you as much as uh, uh, helping you or in in, in, at least uh, in helping you understand something that's funny. I am 
stopping it from being funny. It's some kind of uh, Greek tragedy or something like that. But anyway, as I said in the end of, at the end of the last episode, please do get in touch. Uh, leave your thoughts and opinions, your thoughts and feelings and questions. Uh, what do you think of uh, these episodes I've been doing? Uh, what do you think of uh, this episode of I'm Alan Partridge? And how's it going for you? Okay. Um, all right, then. That's all I have to say, except, of course, I've got to plug uh, Luke's English Podcast Premium um, because uh, I've had, uh, what is it? I got a letter. I got an ele- not a letter. I got an email. Let's see. if Can I find the email? Can I find the email? Okay, this is where I race around the various inboxes I've got um, online. So here we go. Okay, here it is. So... If you're a premium Lepster, then you'll see that I uploaded a series about articles. It was Premium Series 20, and there were five parts to it, and it was all about every every single detail I could think of about the way we use articles, including the way that we use them, the way that we misuse them and we shouldn't use them like that, common errors to avoid, the way we pronounce them. And also I used examples from the Beatles. So we were looking at extracts from Beatle interviews and seeing how they use articles. Uh, We had extensive tests, lots of pronunciation drills. And um, and I did that because one of my listeners asked for it. I couldn't remember who it was at the time, but I remember that someone had requested a premium episode about articles. And so um, I did it and I slaved away over it and did a tremendous amount of work. Totally tremendous. I, I can't use the word tremendous without thinking of Trump. We did totally we did a totally tremendous level of work. Seriously, folks, no one has ever worked more on, on a thing than we worked on this thing. You know, it's like even the even the pyramids, even the pyramids. Um, anyway, so what was I saying? So I worked uh, away on this series and it's published. You can get it now. Um, all about articles, all the stuff that I just mentioned. And then I got a response from the listener who had requested it. So the listener is actually Xavier from France. So I'm going to read out his message because I thought it was great. So he wrote this. Hello, Luke. I'm a regular listener of your fantastic podcast since 2018. Oh, thank you. And I'm the one who requested an episode on the topic of articles a couple of weeks ago. Um, I've just finished the fifth episode of this series this morning. Uh, and I must say that it's the most brilliant episode that you've ever recorded. Oh, really? Thank you so much. Um, but do continue. I don't think you were I didn't think you were capable of doing that in 2009 because this requires a lot of experience. I don't know if the Lepsters realize the amount of work that you've performed to complete this series. During the last 20 years, I've often searched for such a lesson focused on the right use of articles, but have never found it. There are so many rules, but also exceptions that it drives me nuts. As a neuro wait wait a minute. Neuro neuroradiologist at Lille University Hospital, I regularly write scientific papers on neurovascular diseases in international journals, and I'm frustrated to systematically see the editorial office of the journal change my sentences by adding or removing articles. I feel more confident now, even if it takes a long time to master the correct use of articles. I don't know if I have correctly used articles in this message, but I'm very happy to get a comprehensive document on this topic. Um, thanks a lot, Luke, and keep it up. You're such a lovely person who is very inspiring to me. Thank you very much. But the main thing, really, that struck me there is just that, first of all, I've got um, so a neuroradiologist at Lille University Hospital uh, using my material to improve their use of articles in the writing of um, scientific papers. Now, that is 
freaking brilliant. Okay, that is that is fantastic. I'm very happy that that is happening, and also that I managed to sort of uh, please Xavier. He was the guy who requested it in the first place. Very happy that I managed to give him what he wanted. Uh, but I'm equally happy that it's actually making a difference to something like that, some important work on, I mean, radiology. I think we know what that is. Uh, neurovascular disease, uh, which is a massive thing. So great, great. Very happy indeed. Uh, and Xavier was happy for me to read out his uh, message on the podcast as well. Good use of articles in there as well. Did you notice? Funny that, eh? Now then, that's it for this episode. Uh, but if you wanted to get involved with Luke's English Podcast Premium, basically it costs the co- the, the price of like a coffee every month. And I'm talking about the coffee from my local coffee shop where it's quite a fancy coffee, but it's about 3 or $4 a month. And you get access to, I think now I just counted, there are 70 separate episodes of LEP Premium now. 70 episodes across uh, a series of 20. So 20 series, uh, including about 70 episodes. And either those are episodes or they are videos. Okay, 70 bits of content now in the library. And so once you sign up and you pay your whatever it is a month, you can get access to the entire thing, plus all the new ones that come out on a regular basis. Okay, uh, to get it, uh, it's teacherluke.co.uk slash premium, or just go to my website and click premium and send me an email if you have any questions about it. Okay. All right, then. Well, that's it. And I'll speak to you in the next part. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.